Hello and welcome to episode two of our special series that is titled Nine Women in 90 Minutes. My name is Oresia Nyawade and I will be your host. Our second episode guest is Bandi Kiki, who is an entrepreneur and an LGBTQ activist. Welcome, Kiki. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you. I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here to just be able to be a friend of yours on a personal capacity, but also just hear about the work that you're doing and participate mm -hmm. in this podcast. So for all the listeners, can you please take some time to introduce yourself? Who are you? What do you do and who do you do it for? Well, I am Bandikiki, like you said. I am a Cameroonian entrepreneur and LGBTQ activist. Mm -hmm. I um, co-founded REM Clan, which is a um, gender neutral apparel company uh, inspired by everything LGBT and African. I am also the founder of Kim Consulting, which is a marketing and branding consultancy. I am um, Rainbow Migration Trustee, formerly known as UKLGIG, just rebranded. I am also a trustee for Black Beetle Health and a director for Living Free UK. Wow, Kiki, you really are an entrepreneur, not just an entrepreneur, it seems, but a serial entrepreneur because I couldn't even keep up with everything that you have going on. So, because it's a very short episode. I think I'll just like to jump straight into the questions and find out from you, Kiki, has your sexual orientation ever prevented you from securing the bag? For those who are listening, securing the bag is street terms for getting money or getting opportunities, whether on a private capacity or in corporate. So Kiki, over to you. Yeah, yes, I would say yes. I mean, when I first came out in 2017, uh, a couple of clients stopped picking my calls um, and a few of them, you know, picked up the call and said, Kiki, unfortunately, we can't continue using your services yeah. because of who you are. Some of them said they're not homophobic, but however, worried about the association with me and what it would mean for their businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, quite very recently as well, during the uh, International Women's um, Day, it was a month, I think, in March, yeah. um, I was part of a, um, an event, an outreach um, summit. And um, as one of the speakers, um, the organizer told me that some people didn't want me to be part of the event simply because of my sexuality. It wasn't a paid gig, but it, it, it sat with me, you know, just knowing that just because I'm a lesbian, people don't want to associate with me or be in the same, on the same platform with me. Um, I mean, she stood her grounds and I got to speak at the event, but it just sat with me again. Um, I've also just been part of a project that one of the people uh, participating in the project have said that I don't want to work with a lesbian. And I was kicked off the project. So it's happened. And it's something that I keep experiencing, especially within the um, African community. You know, that's, uh, thank you for sharing that. And it's just unfortunate that there are some people, as you said, especially within the African community, who are just not ready to be 
very inclusive in their societies and accept different people for their different choices. Which leads me to my next question um, that I am looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this. Is there room for sexuality and fluidity in African culture? How can Africans go about embracing a more inclusive society? I think uh, sexual um, diversity and gender diversity has always been part of the African culture. And before colonization, you had uh, tribes in Africa like the uh, Dagaba tribe, where um, gender was based on energy as opposed to anatomy. We also have records of uh, uh, the Pangaea people of present-day Cameroon and Gabon, where men were known to have sexual intercourse with other men. Um, in uh, Sudan's Zandi tribe, lesbianism was very common as well in polygamous households. I'm saying this to say that post-colonial Africans have always embraced homosexuality and sexual and gender diversity. However, you know, with colonization came the um, Christian morals and all that, where we now hold um, people like myself yeah. in, a, in a different light as opposed to what our ancestors did. Our ancestors were comfortable with homosexuals. Um, homosexuality is interwoven in the African uh, fabric. Wow. And what resources do you feel are available for helping Africans embrace this more inclusive society like they did pre-colonialization? I think there are, there are books out there. You have um, The Invention of, Woman, of Women by Oye Ronke. Uh, Oye Wumi, I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah. You have um, The Lies We Have Been Told, which is an essay by Tando, oh, it's Tabo, sorry, Tabo um, Bisi. And you also have Boy Wives and Female Husbands uh, by Stephen uh, Murray, edited by Stephen Murray and uh, Will Resco. So, yeah. Those are one of my some of my favorite uh, resources where you can actually read about African history and um, the classification of genders pre-colonization. Yeah, and when other than reading, I know one thing about you is that you also use your own platform to just educate people. Can you please tell us a little bit more about that before we wrap up with our last question? Well, I often use my platform to um, share queer African history, obviously, mm-hmm. um, talk about, um, represent other queer Africans. Um, I also use my platform as an outlet for uh, queer Africans to find love because it's difficult when you're in an anti-LGBTQ country like Cameroon, Nigeria, and the rest of them, it's sometimes difficult to find love. So I use my platform um, uh, you know, to help people find love as well. Um, and I just simply use my platform sometimes to be myself, to celebrate me, you know, uh, sometimes we underestimate the, um, the power of visibility. A young Kiki would have wanted to have me in their lives, to have their lives validated by my lived experiences. 
Um, so in a way, I try to position myself as um, somebody I would have wanted if I were younger or when I was young and in the closet and struggling. So, yeah. No, I love that. And I guess we do believe in the power of visibility, even just mm-hmm. as a woman in leadership, as an entrepreneur. There's, there's times in our history that people like us didn't exist or as many as us. And so being able to see that really does help. So Kiki, thank you so much. I have just one last question for you, which is, I guess you probably already answered it, but I know you have more gems for us. Is what advice or wisdom would you give to your 19-year-old self? I guess I'll tell my 19-year-old self that there's nothing wrong with you. Some boys love boys. Some girls love girls. Um... I would also say to myself that my younger self, that your mom won't be around for a very long time. So enjoy whatever time you have with her and slow down on the stubbornness. I would also tell myself that you're going to have a very colorful life. Okay. Uh, embrace or brace yourself for the challenges. And it is imperative to note that the, uh, your self-worth it doesn't depend on people's acceptance. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure wherever young Kiki is, she is smiling. And also just to our listeners, Mm -hmm. these are the types of conversations that you don't necessarily find on, um, you know, on the public view. People will want to to talk about Mm -hmm. them behind the closed doors, you know, but for Kiki to be able to do the work that she does and to be able to come as a guest on this show and let us know, A, give us resources, share about her life, and just let us know how much visibility counts. We truly appreciate it. Kiki, thank you so much. And that's it from us. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.